Coming up on the show today, just six days from the start of training camp now, Clinton Bonner, one of the hosts of the Great Seahawkers podcast, joins me to talk about his fan origins, how an East Coast kid becomes a Seahawk fan, and specifically how much yesterday's throwback uniform unveiling represents that love. We dive into players to watch this preseason, his thoughts on Geno Smith as he enters year two as the Seahawks starter, and should Geno be featured on the next season of Netflix series Quarterback? Hit that like button and subscribe to the show. Let's get into it. This is Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome back, everybody. I told you it was going to happen, and it's happening. Co-host from the Seahawkers pod, Clinton Bonner, finally showing showing up on the show, joining me here. Uh, Clinton, welcome to the show. First of all, you and I have been talking about this for a while. We're finally making it happen. Yeah, man. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Great time for it to happen, right? We're about to get to training camps about to open. We had some fun news yesterday. Hey, we're, we're entering what I think is a this is going to be a fun season. There is a lot of activity, a lot of action, a lot of buzz around this team. It's good times. It's good times. And for those of us who do what you and I do and, and your co-host Brandon and, and all those in the Seahawks podcasting community, yeah. this is the time it gets fun. because <laughs> It's just easier to think of think of stuff to talk about, you know, it, uh, some of the stories write themselves. Um, and we're going to talk about some of those today, but before we do that, I want to do this. I want to introduce you properly because it's first time on my show. Um, I would imagine there's some carryover in our viewership and listenership because of the, uh, the former link to field goals and where kind of the Genesis of both of those podcasts. And, and it was actually Brandon who reached out to me and, uh, presented me with the opportunity to take the mic at field goals before um, before Vox Media got rid of all the podcasts there. Yeah. Um, tell me this. So if, if people can't tell just by listening to you, you're an East Coast guy. True. Right? Uh, Long Island, you just told me. How does a kid from the East Coast and from New York specifically grow up and become a Seahawk fan? Yeah. So it's a great topic because because of what just dropped yesterday yeah, um, you know yeah. I, I grew up i grew up in queens i was born in queens grew up in long island a town called deer park and uh i was probably six years old and i was starting to just watch nfl my dad's a giants fan and my mom was a vikings fan actually and my brother was a patriots fan and five years older that's just weird uh but that's the nfl and i just loved when i was six years old i loved their helmet I loved it. I like the color scheme, the blue, the green, the silver, the helmet spoke to me. And at that point, my mom had to send away to Seattle, like right to see to somebody in Seattle in order to get a catalog physically mailed back in order to order something in order to get something back. <laughs> and I had like a 32, which who I knew was John L. Williams, but the old mm -hmm. meshy, no name on the back 32 John L. Jersey when I was probably like Mesh seven or eight. giant number. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that was that, man. I had the NFL huddle. I had the posters, you know, I had the blue angel, uh, posters and, yeah. and, and away we go. And that's my, my love for the Seahawks started with, uh, with design and marketing basically. So yesterday must've been an even cooler day for you than it was for most of the rest of us, because that's what attracted you to the team in the first place. So what was it like to see finally the team unveil, uh, that throwback classic era uniform yesterday. They're, they're gorgeous. They're, they're yeah. sharp, right? They're, they're beautiful. I love the energy and the buzz that the, that the, 
the new team, the new players bring along with it. Like they're ecstatic to wear them because they know that they know they're dope. The piece for me is like, Hey, the uniforms look great. The pants immaculate to get the silver, mm-hmm. to get the helmet, right. Th- that to me was the best part. That silver, you know, glowing silver helmet is like, man, you, you, you forget what you had and it's been so long since we've seen them. And yes, we've seen the mock-ups and, and some people have done some awesome mocks over the years. Um, but you see them in real life and you're like, these are gorgeous. So it was just, it's just total fun. And it's not even nostalgia. Nostalgia is kind of a different feeling. Mm-hmm. This was more just like, just fired up. They're going to, we're going to wear these. And I was so in on Tyler Lockett tweeting, Hey, we need to petition to wear these week one. Yeah. You know, cause that, that was the vibe that was out there it was like, why don't we just wear these? Cause these are amazing. So how about you, man? That's the thing that struck me is it is, uh, I think I was wrapped up in the nostalgia part of it. I was excited about them and I knew they would look cooler just because of the way uniforms are designed now the tighter fit no pads that kind of thing but it it took me a second to wrap my head around why they looked even better and then i read the john boyle piece about all the work that went into this between nike and the seahawks front office and all the little decisions and when they talked i think it was chuck arnold was talking about how just the specific tint of silver like you mentioned in that helmet when they came back with a mock-up of that from nike and they all went okay that's that's the one because i noticed a subtle difference in the royal blue in the jerseys too it just seems a little brighter it just seems to pop a little bit more um it's hard to put my finger on it but they i think they just look fantastic where do you lie on you know there's a big segment of the fan base that says let's just these are so cool let's just wear these all the time Are, are you on that side of the fence or does would that kind of take away some of the some of the appeal of just using them intermittently? Yeah, the specialty, right? Uh, no, I think after seeing them, I, I I think I could just my heart could could fall right in love with them again. Be like, yeah. wear them all the time. Wear wear them for a year or two and, and see what goes. And then hey, on your on your rando Thursday night football game break out the action green for the sake of the action green, right? Yeah. That that's, that's fine. Cause people still like them. I actually, still, I, I like the action green with the, the Navy blue. I still think it's yep. sharp. I'm um, I'm on the side of action green too. I'm team yeah. action green. I know some people, it pisses some people. Oh off, yeah. But, some people hate it, which is yeah. cool. Like that's, you're doing something right when, when, right. you know, a lot of people hate and a lot of people love it or yeah. a lot of passion there. Uh, so no, I think I could buy all the way in and say, these should be it. Uh, they're lovely. Yeah. I just, I, I keep going back to house. I was, I was taken aback yesterday by how much I loved them because I right, like I like the current uniforms. Me too. I think they're cool and they're modern and and sleek and the and the guys look athletic in them and all that. But it just man, I I could I could easily say goodbye to those. And the one thing we are going to say goodbye to now is the wolf gray. And I'm not I'm not mad about that. Like I, there are people who love the wolf gray, and I just don't get it. It's basically dirty white it, it's not it's not any more different it just looks like they didn't wash their away uniforms properly i just yeah, didn't, not quite, I didn't not see quite the point rams not quite rams uh dirty sock yellow yeah. white that they that they broke out recently because yeah. those are horrid uh and with that yeah a little bit of a d- dirty water like dishwater dishwater gray right uh, i'm okay with them with them going man it's like you know, there's only so much room on the island. Someone's got to go. Wolf Gray had to go for now, right? Maybe yeah. sometime down the line, 
they'll come back and, nah. and they'll be a, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Dan. That's what it's <laughs> Again, I don't see the point. It's crazy. I, I talked for 25 minutes yesterday, just about this one topic. You and I are still talking about it here yeah. in this first uh, segment. It's people, people love this stuff though. Did you happen to see the Indianapolis Colts alternates that came out? I did. Morning? I just saw them, you know, uh, just floating around Twitter. People are fired today. up about those, man. They're, they're all right. They're fine. I, I like, I actually like the little, the way they do them, the, the captain C with the cult, like infused in yeah, there. That yeah. that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a fan of, of throwing black into a uniform for the sake of it, of black in a uniform, like Bobby, Bobby for the last few years, uh, was like, he wanted the all blackout, you know, Seahawks. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not the colors. There's right. so many other things right. we can do. So for the cults to do that, I just don't think they're that nice. I've seen so many other, uh, you know, renditions or, or ideas on, on modernizing a Colts logo for what, what would, could be a third uni. And they're okay. I, I think yeah. they're, those are very mid for me, very like C I'd be like, meh, if I'm a Colts fan, but I'd probably be meh if I'm a Colts fan anyway, cause it's the Colts. I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of the coin. I, I think, I don't think black ever looks bad on a football uniform. It's pretty hard to screw black up. It looks badass. Uh, My thing is that the heathered blue, it looks like an old Navy t-shirt. I I have a whole closet full of heathered old Navy t-shirts. I'm (laughs) kind of wearing one right now, actually. Um, But just uh, my thing is if you're going to go black, just, just commit. Well, that, that, that part too, I I could agree with that. Like if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, right? So because you you got, you have the white, you know, uh, the horseshoe, right? So you could do something pretty cool to make, to make the horseshoe really stand out against black. And of course it would, you know, uh, the white on black would be, would be sharp uh, with a little bit, a little bit of blue to kind of pop it out in some ways. So I feel that it just, it just looked like they missed for me. I'm like, okay, you got a black helmet with, with these really blue uniforms. I'm like, Yeah, it's okay. Well, we, hey, we did it better, which I'm, which I'm fired up. About. Absolutely, I don't think anyone has done it as well as the Yes, and the way they rolled it out. I mean, I'm I've watched that that, that opening video with JSN about ten times, trying to pick out little different things. And it, I, yeah, it I think he woke up in my old bedroom. Basically, is, is what <laughs> I was seeing. We all had there. that yeah. blanket. Yeah. That's for darn sure. Except, right? That's, uh... except whatever character he was playing in that in that video uh, was, uh, you know, family must have been doing okay because he had. Two computer computers. He did. In his yeah, computers. He had a Mac a and a PC. I think that's he couldn't it. really that's decide. It. Love it. Uh, um, I want to do this before we move on and just talk to Seahawks training camp. So uh, you did something last week that was really really cool, and actually it was it was kind of emotional for me. So you told me you were sending me something. Yeah. But you didn't tell me what it was going to be, and so I get this package in the in the mail. It's kind of a weird shape, and I thought uh, I thought okay, it's a it's a Seahawk photo or something, maybe an autograph photo you got or something that I could stick on the wall behind me, whatever. No, it was this, it, and for the YouTube folks, so three Kiss albums, old vinyl LPs show up in the mail, so I got Dressed to Kill here, uh, classic songs on this album, but uh, is known notoriously for how poorly it was produced, <laughs> um, and then this one's kind of funny, uh, because when Bob Condota was on the show, and we were talking about Kiss about a month ago, because we, we discovered we were at the same concert in 1979. I heard that. Um the song that I pulled out is kind of my hidden gem and deep cut is a song on this album, Asylum. And then, of course, there's the classic Destroyer. And I think I will frame this one and put it on the wall nice. just because it's one of the most classic rock uh, albums of all time. How did that come about? I know they belong to your grandmother who recently passed. I'm sorry to hear that. But um, if if you want to talk a little bit about her affinity with Kiss and, and why you thought to send those to me. 
Yeah. So it was actually my mom, my mom passed, um, which is, which it's all good. It's all good. Uh, her name was Lorraine Intano and, uh, she had a big rock collection. And I I mentioned her just before she's a, she was a big Vikings fan. So loved, love football, big Vikings fan, you know, suffered the way the modern day bills fans have suffered or really like our age, uh, bill bills fans have suffered with all the super bowl losses. Uh, and she just has a great, great, really cool collection. And I don't have a record player. Right. Yeah. So talking my, with my brother, I'm like, Hey, do you, do you want these? Like, no, nah, I don't have a record player. So I, I just kind of divvied some up between, uh, between some folks I do know have had them and clean them up. And, and I had just listened to you recently and like, all right, you know, I, I don't think I have another, another person who's going to appreciate these more than Dan. Um, and you know, and we, we know each other through this, through the Seahawks connection. That's yeah. great. So I figured I'd reach out to it. I just, for me, it was more like a, 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 I'm sending a, batch to one of my good buddies lives in uh boca raton florida he goes by the name johnny parmesan he's oh getting a stack yeah he's getting a stack <laughs> of them he's a dude named nolan good dude and he knew my mom very well and uh and i was like hey man it's just a way to keep keep the keep the music playing and i felt the same way i was like dan's probably gonna you know, appreciate these the most and they'll they'll get used in some way yeah. that people get to enjoy them so in in a way that the, the music can get you know could carry on and she would that's what she loved rock and roll, man. She was Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses was her favorite band. She, okay. you know, she just she just passed. She was 69. Um, and she had seen GNR Metallica, you know, live uh, at MSG, seen GNR, I think, three or four times. She liked to rock. So uh, so please spin them, hang them, have fun with them, and uh, may may the music keep on keep on rocking, dude. Absolutely. It's an honor that you thought of me in that way and sent those to me. And, and it's cool. I'll just say one more thing about them. It's in there's a couple of, of specific reasons that this meant so much to me first of all um i used to have you know growing up when i did i had a a pretty extensive vinyl collection i didn't take really good care of it i i look back and see that now and and that would have been a regret if i still had all that stuff i didn't always put them back in the sleeve and they'd get scratched up or whatever yeah but uh long story short my ex-wife sold them all out from under my nose while i was sleeping one day after working at night oh no because we were having a garage sale and she sold my whole collection for five dollars so all Mm. of my vinyl gone it's one of the reasons that she's my ex-wife now (laughs) (laughs) um but the other more specific reasons that destroyer album is uh played a huge part in why i fell in love with that type of music and still to this day love that kind of of music because my older sister my parents who were always terrible gift givers and my dad listens to the show and i've always been honest with him about this so i'm not afraid (laughs) that he'll be offended uh they just didn't know what we wanted or liked they bought my older sister that album for christmas one year she opens it up and immediately goes i don't want this crap and the, the album cover looked so cool that I said, I'll take it. And the rest is history. I just became a rock fan after that. So again, thank you very much for that. That was very, very You're cool. welcome. I love, I, and I love the origin story of how, how, you know, how, how it became important to you. That's awesome. Dude. Absolutely. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's talk some Seahawks. We are six days away as we record this from the start of training camp at the VMAC. Uh, it, it feels like the longest offseason ever, 
maybe because it was such an impactful draft and there, we spent so much time looking at it, it you tend to focus more on the draft when you have high picks and multiple picks and we Absolutely. all did that and and I think it just kind of prolonged the intensity of the offseason. So here we are finally. Um, let's do this. I sent you some 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 questions to ponder. I want to break some things down and kind of ask you some things in a little bit different way than I've been talking with others on the show about. Uh, as you sit here today, um, who are you most looking forward to seeing in training camp in the preseason games? Pick maybe one on each side of the ball. Yeah, it's there's there are there are several right, and it, it's some some battles too. Yeah. It's it's quite interesting, and, and I I've got a, I've got a laundry list here, but if I have to go on one side of the ball. Talking about defense, I really want for me linebackers and by Jones. Like, what, what are we gonna what are we gonna okay. see there? I think the yeah. talent is the talents showed out already. The dude can play. It's a extremely ooh, um, huh, interesting group of linebackers mm -hmm. at at this point, um, and and the front seven is is so different from last year. So, can a player like like Jones? show enough, uh, show enough, show out and kind of get out of special teams fella and be like, no, this is somebody we could see routinely being woven into the, into the front seven and having an impact this year. Uh, so that's, that's somebody on defense. I'm super interested in, in kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, he, he really flashed last year in the preseason. There was one sack that he had in particular where he, he basically picked the guy up and threw him to the turf and, and that kind of opened my eyes to who he was. I find it interesting that you know, Pete's Pete's funny when you listen to him long enough over the years as we have, you can kind of you can kind of sense when he is paying lip service to a player and when mm -hmm. he really likes someone. And he he time and time again, you mentioned the word battle and that third linebacker spot, interior linebacker spot is huge in camp. It's basically at this point between he and John Radigan and Pete has kind of gone out of his way name drop both those guys without yep. being asked about him. Radigan, who they like, and they keep coming back over and over again, or keep bringing back. And then Vi Jones, who has bulked up a little bit this year. I think Pete says he's at 235, and he's strictly an inside guy now instead of one who can play both. So, uh, And he'll get plenty of reps because, you know, I, I just don't see Bobby playing a lot no. in the preseason. Devin Bush probably will play that spot, and those guys will get a lot of reps next to him. Um, yeah, I like that one. How about on uh, offense? Yeah, offense to me, uh, the the ver we're gonna see them, which is cool, because like you said, there's so many people that just they're not gonna like we're not gonna see Draymond Jones. Maybe yeah. a series, and I, I kind of hope no. Like who, who cares? Yeah. Like we know what the dude can do. We'll see it week one. Um, but on offense, Olu versus Evan Brown, mm -hmm. right? So seeing those two guys there, who will be our center? Um, I'm very excited that I think either outcome I think is an improvement over the last several years of our, our center options uh, with that, that to me is going to be super intriguing. Dan. It's just, yeah. can, can the, you know, can Olu fifth round pick just keep kind of keep doing what he's been doing for years on the collegiate level at the highest level and just be a solid center. And if he's not quite there yet, Evan Brown to me two years ago was a darn good center for yeah. the lions and is versatile. So he'll be on the team who will be our center that that battle I think is going to be really interesting to watch um and you know it's it's the preseason where we're not going to put all of our cards on the table right. in terms of our passing game but you're going to do the things like run the ball like you know traditional traditional run the ball things and who can move people better will it be brown will it be olu and i think we'll be able to by the end of the third week 
probably have like a clear winner and know who our starting center is. And that's pretty exciting, man. Uh, agree. I, I just think that's a position they haven't put enough focus on in the last few years. And, and the yeah. fact that they went out this offseason and signed a guy who's proven that has played there at a high level and then still went out and drafted a guy who looks like a long-term NFL starter, kind of doubling down on that position. Because I, I felt like, you know, for all the people that are on the side uh, of the argument that Geno didn't play well down the stretch last year and that that's a concern, uh, I would counter with, well, interior pressure was a huge issue the last five or six games. Yep. You know, teams really started to pick on Austin Blythe and that right guard combo, and it made life difficult for Geno. It was, it was a tougher road. And so if we can shore that up, uh, you know, all the better for our quarterback. Let's talk about him next. Uh, where do you sit on the in the Geno Smith world of uh, what do you expect from him in year two after he surprised, shocked the world last year with his performance? Yeah, and he did, right? He absolutely did. Uh, I was a uh, a bit of a Drew Locke stand last Same. last preseason. I just thought, I, you know, for all the reasons, right? We don't even need to recount them. Right. I thought they were logical too um, until – I was week one where I was like, oh my gosh, like Gino, Gino's got it. You know, he's, he's, and then week two against was at Atlanta. Um, just super, super impressed with his processing. My gosh, his processing was so good. Yeah. Even when things broke down, um, which, which happened quite a bit, the, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a, a little bit of a uh, revisionist history of how good or not, you know, how good the offensive line was last year. And it was, it was okay. And it could, and it could be a lot, lot better. That's with two rookie tackles Yeah. back to Gino. You know, I, I think his, his, I'm not, the, I'm not even going to say ceiling. I'm going to just say, I think he's going to end up in the 4,400 to 4,500 yard range. So, you know, last year that's Seattle's record, right? He, he outguns, Russ and all the let, let Russ cook for all those years. And he yeah. throws for more yards. I think he probably peaks at like 4450, 4475. And I think he can increase his touchdowns, which was great. 30 last year. I think he gets to probably like 33 with a maybe a ceiling of like 35. There's reasons for that and their personnel reasons. And and year two of Gino being like the man. But I think that's a realistic point. And if if that's correct, you're looking at probably easily a top seven quarterback, maybe even top five, yeah. which is insane considering where he came from and what we're paying the dude. Well, and I think if he, if he does follow up on his performance from last year and, and I think he, yeah, I, I'm a convert. I'm a, I'm a Geno yeah. believer. I think the talent's real. When people, when people say it was just one year, he's been sitting for six years. Why wasn't he good enough then? It just, just watch him play. Just watch yeah. him play football. Watch him throw the, watch the way the ball comes out of his hands and the anticipation. And, and I keep going back to that, that throw to DK Metcalf in the back of the end zone at SoFi stadium to beat the Rams on the road was a throw that uh, I, I said it on the show. Not only aren't there many quarterbacks in the league that can make that throw. There aren't many quarterbacks in the league that would even see or attempt that throw. Like he saw it, he manipulated his, his position in the pocket to, to kind of get that window against Jalen Ramsey and and put the ball in the money. I I think sky's the limit for him. And I I don't think that completion percentage is going anywhere because they improved the interior offensive line. We all believe, and they improved his weapons. We got you know adding JSN to that, and uh, and, he, and two running backs that are that are really accomplished in the passing game and McIntosh and Charbonnet. Uh, you know what he completed just under. It didn't it. it it was it like ended up being 16 of it. Yeah, I yeah. think he's a, he he hit 70 this year. I think he hit 70. Have you watched the Netflix quarterback? show yet i have not i, I getting getting texts about it and a yeah. buddy of mine being like kirk cousins actually is the nicest person on earth and i haven't watched a lick, a lick of it yet <laughs> so I, I don't i don't know it yet uh but are are you 
insinuating you want to have Gino on there next year? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. So, well, and I'll just follow up on your Kirk Cousins point. I've always liked Kirk. I always thought he was middle. I thought he was league average quarterback, 15th, 16th, you know, that can win some games for you. Maybe he's Matt Hasselbeck to me. I love Matt Hasselbeck. There's a sign ball right there from Matt nice. Hasselbeck and a bunch of jerseys in the closet. And I always used to have these fights with my dad who thought that Hasselbeck stunk. And I would always say, okay, find me 15 quarterbacks in the league you'd rather have. And he would name them off. And I'd say, okay, how are you going to get that guy? Right? Like that's Kirk Cousins. Like, but you come out of the show. He's not just a nice guy. He's a tough son of a bitch. Mm. He's really, really tough. I don't want to give too much away, but, um, but they highlight that. I'm only about halfway through it. Uh, but yeah, Peyton Manning, who executive produces a show announced yesterday that they picked it up for season two. And I just, uh, I just think if they were to follow Gino this year in year two with all the expectations yeah. to follow up what he did and how important it is to this team potentially contending, it would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I got to figure like if they don't, it's just a miss. You have a, you have a huge, it, the dude's a comeback player of the year last year. He has a, with this offense, a legitimate shot. And this is not being, you know, straight Homerism here, but has a legitimate shot with, if this team can do what they ought to do or ceiling wise, even overperform a bit. Then if he does those kind of numbers, he's, he's in the MVP discussion all of a sudden, yeah. right? Not saying he wins it, but he's in the discussion. Right. So if, if the Manning brothers are not seriously, you know, uh, on, on the horn with Gino's agent already, I, I'd be shocked. Yeah. And it, it may not come, it may not be his call. You know, the Seahawks have always escaped uh, the qualifications hard for hard knocks, yeah, but even yeah. if they had qualified, they're one of those organizations that just wouldn't want any part of it. I don't think they like giving people a peek behind the curtain of, of kind of their culture and how they do things. But, um, but maybe if it's just to focus on Gino after everything he's been through and everything that he's accomplished, maybe they would do that. It'd be kind yeah. of cool. Uh, let's talk about expectations because we have seen a real shift here in the last couple of months from Seahawks were kind of the, the, the dark horse and the underrated team, uh, you know, the little engine that could last year. And, and they were a nice surprise. One of the nicer stories in the league because nobody saw it coming. Well, now, now there's an expectation. Now there's a buzz that's growing and you're starting to see some of the preseason projections God, Athlon's preseason guide even had them going to the Super Bowl and losing to the Chiefs. You're seeing some people starting to say the words, they're making it, they've made up ground. They've made up ground on the 49ers. They have a chance to challenge them in the division. Is this team as young as it is right now? Are they ready to handle those expectations right out of the gate? I mean, I think John Lynch said it, right? He he came out and said they've 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 been up. We're watching them now because it's it's an objects in the mirror are closer than they appear type thing. I think for the 49ers and the Niners right now, still who, who's playing quarterback? It, yeah. Is it, yeah. will Purdy be ready? I think Purdy's actually a pretty darn good quarterback. I think he he showed enough to me last year uh, on a couple of specific plays. I was like, wow, that that's that's a big boy throw you just made. Regardless, yeah. Yeah. If they say you have the arm or not, you made that throw and it was accurate on the run, back of the end zone type stuff. So I think he's good. Does he have an elbow? We, we'll, we'll see about that, right? Sure. Um, the To answer the question, though, man, like I think that I don't find the youth part worrisome for me with this team. Uh, the part that I think is difficult, really difficult, is I think this is a very hard schedule. I think this is a mm. difficult – that. But, the Ravens, the Ra Ravens are going to be good. The Bengals are good. The Cowboys are still good. You know, the Giants went to the playoffs last year. The Lions basically went to the playoffs last year, right? And, and ended, put us into the playoffs. Yeah. Was certainly a deserving playoff team. 
this is to me is not an easy schedule. So um, I think we will be, I think we're going to win 10 plus games, but I think there's a pretty sincere ceiling that it's probably capping at 11. And if we win 12, go 12 and five, then I think we probably take the division, which becomes very, very interesting. Um, the youth part, I think culturally that Pete has set something up where, you know, to, to some extent, it's almost like age be damned in some ways. Like if, if you're young and ready to rock and roll, he has proven that he will put you in yeah. uh, and, and then allow you to, uh, you know, to, to sink or swim. And like a player, like a good example, man, like Kobe Bryant, to me, that was a mystery last year and still is a mystery to me. I don't, that's to me, I don't kind of get it. It's like, okay, the dude played outside, you know, of, uh, of sauce at, in Cincy, had a ton of volume his way using the boundary in, in Cincinnati, the, you know, for the Bearcats. And then they just like, Oh, you know what? Go play slot in the NFL. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm still like sitting there raising my hand being like, why, why is he the slot After guy? they had brought Justin Coleman back. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, he had a player, like I know Trey Brown was coming back from injury and right. I realized he's a corner, but shiftier, seemingly stickier. Like, so what's up with that battle? So yeah. there's, there's some of these like idiosyncrasies that are super interesting that, um, yeah, they just got they got me a little perplexed still, man. But uh, but no, I think overall, man, youth wise, I think that's to our advantage. I think young, fast, hungry, we will be all those things, and that that's a good thing. You talk about the strength of the schedule. The first four games before the bye, you mentioned a couple of them, the Giants, the Lions, but 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 teams that I think when you compare roster to roster might be winnable, might be a strong word, but but evenly matched. We might say, how important is it then, given everything you talked about and, and kind of that rough stretch in the middle of the season, uh, for them to get off to a good start going into the bye? Have to. Yeah. It's, it's you know, first of all, the NFL is is a very fast season, right? It's this baseball, it ain't. Uh, and I'm a big baseball, you know, New York Mets fan having a suffering season. I know you're a Mariners fan. It's almost uh, Twin Cities in that way with with some weird, weird years going on. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Yeah, right. So, but starting with the Rams at home, have to win that game. We're a much yeah, better yeah. roster. They're well coached. They still got some weapons, but but you have to win that game. One of one of the reprieves is that the division is not that good. The Cardinals aren't good, right. and the Rams may may win six to eight games. And then the Niners are still the Niners, and and we'll battle them. Um, beyond that, at the bye, you know, because they got Carolina, you got the Lions and the Giants, right? Those are the other other three before the break, the early break. I think we really need to be three and one. And I think we will be three and one. Um, I know you could pitch the four and oh and make make a claim for it, but I think that's being very dismissive of just how just how good and young and violent the Lions are. Yeah. And then the jump that that don't sleep on Carolina. They ran all over us mm -hmm. last year. They're gonna come back to Lumen and guess what they're gonna try and probably do. I know they shook it up. I know it's different running backs now but they're probably going to try and run the ball down our throats again. Yeah. So we better know by week two versus the lions, what our front seven's all about. And I think it's, we will know we're going to see it, you know, really, really, uh, really, really fast because the lions offensive line, no joke, Panthers offensive line run blocking. Yeah. No joke. We're going to, we'll get tested early. Yeah. And that giants defense too, that'll be a good test for the offense and all those weapons, sure. you know, has it's, it's, um, it's it's crazy to think this far out as we're already looking forward to to week one at home against the Rams that that might be a must win opener, but uh, but it really really could be. That's a tough one if you drop it. You know, last year they had the advantage of the emotional edge with Russ coming home and it was you know Monday Night Football and all of that. 
um, all they're going to be hearing leading into week one this year is is how down the Rams are, and you know yep. it's it's Donald Cup and and uh, Stafford and, and nobody else, and and uh, that'll be a, a, te- a true test right out of the gate how mature this team is and yeah. how ready they are to to potentially um, contend. One of the funny things that I kind of always hear other Seahawks fans say is like, "Oh, we got to win that game by fourteen. Like, oh, we we better blow yeah. this team out." And I'm always like. Guys, I don't care if we win by one. Yeah. I don't. I, it's the NFL. I, right. It's yes, I want to win big, and I want to put teams away and all that jazz. And I want to, you know, the Vegas says it should be minus eight. I, sure, that'd be cool. It's it. It's I don't care. Win, win by one. It's it's game one. Get the W. Stay healthy and uh, and get this get the season off on, with the right momentum. Like that's that's it for a game I guess against a division rival where McVay has an entire offseason to look at our front seven and go all right let's see what they're made of couldn't agree more uh Clinton thanks for doing this man it was great to finally get it together time flies we're already at the end of a show um tell the people what you got going on and where they can find you on Twitter and where they can hear you on that other podcast that I like so much Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah. So the Seahawkers podcast, right? The, and, and by the way, you talked about earlier, like the, the, the overlap in Venn. And I do know that there is a large Venn between our audiences. Cause I see the YouTube commenters. I'm like, Oh, right. I know that right. person, <laughs> which is cool, which is great. They're, they're both they're, you know, really quality shows in my opinion, across the board. So Seahawkers podcast, audio, youtube.com slash Seahawkers podcast. I'd say the cool thing, once the season gets going, we do two to three in the in the off season. And that's like Brandon and Adam and, and we have others like Mr. Phil and and Wilson Khan. But then the season hits and then we really kind of break it up into uh, very segmented shows. We do, you know, we do a preview show. We do a, a live reaction show. We yeah. do the post game. We do a gambling show on Saturday mornings. That's just Seahawks talk about nice. gambling for that game. So it's kind of like. Lots of different strokes for all the Seahawks folks, and it's a great place to, to check it out. So, And then on Twitter, at Clinton Bond for me or at Seahawkers Pod, come say hi. Pretty much Twitter for me is uh, retweeting I think you should leave memes and Seattle Seahawks football. Like That's, that's my Twitter life. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, you're one of your other halves or one of your other parts. Uh, Brandon Schultz will be joining me on Monday, so you guys are going to want to tune in for that. Brandon and Dana O'Gorman will be jumping back on the mic, and uh, we'll do our little training camp preview thank you again clinton for everything and for being on the show today you can follow me on twitter at seahawks forever don't forget to subscribe to the channel and wherever you get your audio podcasts as well until next time forever and always go hawks go hawks man thanks